0: I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, in, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening.
1: Silent night Holy night oh. Please come. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night. Holy night Sh-
0: Freeman, what a gift! She has such a beautiful voice. Yeah. Um. So, Silent Night. Yeah. For so, my, tell me, do you, song for your family. Do you like? Do you I like, like song? Silent Night? Because <laughs> the other my favorite, my favorite, is going to be next week. But I like Silent Night. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of parameters around the ways I like it, though, which is a shock to no one. Um, I know you like Silent Night because you used to sing it to your kids as a lullaby. I did. So I've always, I've always loved this song. Um, it's always been one of my favorites. I know I've said it the past two weeks, but this one really is. Since I was a child, just been a very calming song to me. Um, yeah. Not even at Christmas time. And so I did. I used to sing it to my kids as their lullaby. They had each of them had other lullabies that they liked, but this was the one I sang every night to both of them. And so it has an even more special meaning because. I don't know, I guess I've always, even though this isn't theologically correct, um, (laughs) I've always just imagined that it, as a lullaby that Mary would have sung to Jesus. Um, And so I think that's why um, I always sang it to my kids. So I don't know where I got that from, but just, I don't know, just something that's always, I've always visualized. So yeah, Yeah, that's fine. Um, No one knows that that's not true. Well, I'm assuming she didn't sing right. Selenites. and night since it wasn't written till the 1800s. It <laughs> happens weird that she could be singing it to him now in some weird like heavenly dimension. Ooh. It's weird. We don't. No one knows Rebecca. Okay, Which that's very twilight, twilight Zone of you. Huh? <laughs> that's very Twilight Zone of you. <laughs> well, we've been talking a lot about heaven lately. Like Matty and Penny keep asking where heaven is, and like yeah. I think heaven is like here, and it's just like another dimension we can't see. Like, I don't think it's up in the sky or, like, I think it's, like, on Earth. That's just what I think, um, which it has no basis in anything. That's just what I think. And Chris well, that's thinks... What CS Lewis, that's what C.S. Lewis thinks, too. So Okay, so there you go. There you go. Um, Chris <laughs> thinks it is, like, you know, kind of away, like, another place yeah. And so we were just talking to Maddie and Penny, and it's, like, one of those, like, many conversations you have with kids where you're, like, no one really knows. This is what I mm-hmm. think. So it's kind of, like, I'm thinking, I've been thinking about, like, how... Cause then we were talking about how, you know, I don't know exactly what age to tell them Jesus is, you know, I'm assuming he's 33, but I don't, you know, like, and I don't know what age we are in heaven when we get to heaven. Are we the oldest mm-hmm. age we ever were? Like, and so we've just been like talking about that. And so anyway, my brain's like been worked out to the point of like, I don't know, maybe Mary is just like going to tell him in heaven. Who knows? Like, <laughs> it could happen. we don't know.
2: So anyway, that's yeah. where
0: that little tangent came from um so silent night Night. i love this song sung by a choir this is a song that i very much prefer sung by a group of people um and it always reminds me of christmas eve because like we always sing this at our church when we light candles like every year so i I guess a lot of churches do that um yeah every church i've ever been in for christmas eve services has sung it yeah but I love it by like a children's choir. I think that's like the, prettiest oh, yeah, value. that's sweet. Cause it doesn't require a lot of like good vocals. It's like, I can sing it, you know, and I'm not a singer. Like most people can sing it. It's easy. And I just, I love hearing a bunch of kids sing together. I think I said that previously too, but that's my favorite way to listen to it. Um, what about you? It's interesting that you said that I was, um, Listening, So one of my favorite Christian bands is Wren Collective. I think I've said it before on of their Christmas album, but they're um, a Northern Irish, a North Irish band, um, Northern Ireland band. They're Irish, whatever, however you want to say that. <laughs> and um, I heard them in an interview this week on Annie Downs' podcast. Um, she was interviewing them for the first of her 12 Days of Christmas episodes or whatever, because they did just come out with a, a new Christmas album. And I, I had, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes just because I think um, they are... It's just... It's fun to... I mean, I spent some time in Ireland and it, just the... Just the joy, and this has nothing to do with Silent Night, but I have a point. Um, just the joy and the um, good storytelling and the humor of the Irish just makes me so happy. And that's exactly these two guys that lead Ren Collective. Like they're musically amazing, but just they just their joy was effusive in this episode, and so I just really appreciated it. But one of the things, one of the one, of, I can't remember if it was Gareth or Chris who said it, but um, he was ta- Annie asked him a question about. Um, the, how hard it is to write new Christmas music because mm-hmm. most people want, um, you know, tradition um, and how, how to write a good new Christmas song that people will appreciate. Um, and he was talking about, um, you know, old Christmas carols, the ones that we all sing like Silent Night and we've talked about Heart the Herald Angels Sing and oh Holy Night and all those songs. They are um, theologically rich, but musically simple. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and he said, that's what defines a um, traditional Christmas carol. And, but, you know, a lot of people when they try to write a new Christmas song, um, they try to like, do something different. And that's why it never catches on. But the ones that do catch on are ones that um, kind of stick with that pattern. Um, and he said this, you know, writing when you're writing a new Christmas song it's, this is not a time to be musically creative <laughs> He was like you obviously want to be lyrically rich But like not musically because kind of the point of christmas carols is for it to be sung by everyone And like what you're saying with silent night is one of those songs that is easy to sing and everybody can say that Maybe that's why I sing as a lullaby too Because i'm a terrible singer and I didn't want to hurt my kids ears and that's the <laughs> song I can sing to them <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, I just thought that it was, it was an interesting conversation. Cause I, I, I do think, you know, sometimes music, musicians try to come out with new Christmas songs and they never like really catch on, but some do. And so I'm think, I thought about Lauren Daigle's Lot of the World, the one yes. that she wrote, but if you think about it, it's musically very simple. Mm-hmm. It's only a few chords, but it's a very, it's a very beautiful, it's um, awesome. and then it's just a pretty like basic, um, music song, but the lyrics are amazing. So I've been thinking about that a lot since he said that as, as we've been talking about um this series. Um so it just made me it made me think about I just kind of evaluated Christmas songs through that lens. But I was thinking yeah. about silent I was thinking about silent Night. it's interesting that you say that you like it sung by a choir. Um I do think it can be pretty that way, but I this is I'm not a country music singer. I mean a country music Are you singer. about to say what I think you're about to say, can I guess? Go ahead. Is it Kelly Clarkson, Reba McIntyre, and Trisha Yearwood? No, but those are all really good. They like, all together. Did it like on some Christmas special, and I watched the video of it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" It no, really- I probably would. I probably would like that one. I think so. We'll get into the history of the song in a second, but my interpretation of this song is that it's a folk song, and so I don't often enjoy. I know this is really bad for a Texan this day that now lives in Georgia, but I'm not a huge country music fan. Um, people can at me if they want to. Um, but, but I do think that this song lends itself to, um, that style of music because yeah. it's more kind of a folk song. Um, I like, I like the Carpenter's version, um, which is, you know, more folksy. I like Carrie Underwood's version. Um, I probably would like that version that you just mentioned with the three of them together. Cause I do all like, I like all of the singers. So, um, and yeah, so I think it just lends, and it also lends itself to harmony very well. And so that's probably why all three of them sound yeah. good together singing that song and, and some of the other songs that I think I was listening to, maybe it was the pen and tongs version or one of those. And it just, it is a pretty song to sing and kind of like around, um, in harmony. And so, but I, I like it in a folksy kind of way. Um, because I just think that's kind of the heart of the, um, of the music of the song. But that's just me. So I, um, I like that interpretation because I feel like it's so familiar to me that I can't think of it. Like, I don't know, like I, I wouldn't, I didn't, it didn't occur to me to think of it like, what style of music would this be best in? Because it's just sort of like I always have known it as it is. Yes. So I that you've thought of it through like the lens of like a style of music. That's cool. Well, we're about to talk. We'll talk about why in a second when we get okay. to the, the the history of the song. That I think that's why I that's why um, it, that works. Um, yeah. But um, I I do know I did I did see this little factoid that Bing Crosby's version of Mm -hmm. Silent Night, which is a beautiful version. It's not a folksy version, but a a beautiful version, nonetheless, Um, his version of Silent Night is the top three, the number three all-time grossing single of all time is Bing Crosby's Silent Night. Yep. Or at least it was as of the time I read the article that was like the end of it. Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas Is You. (laughs) Well, no, this was not Christmas songs. This is number three all-time oh grossing God. single of all time period was being Crosby's Silent Night so um so this is it's interesting Well, when we talk about the history like just how much this has kind of just effused its way into culture um from such a humble beginning but um I think Christians and non-Christians alike love this song and the peace that this song brings um Hence, why I also think it's a good lullaby. <laughs> That's why I can't, it always comes to me as, as a lullaby. But any other thoughts about like your favorite versions of this song? Um, I just like it to be simple, really. Yes. like you know, Obviously, the m- version I just mentioned with the country music powerhouses is not super simple. But like, I don't like a lot of like vocalizing and like getting like really, um, you know, I don't like a lot of flair. I like it simple and traditional. Yeah. Um I prefer actually, I like male voices if it's like not gonna be a group of people. I just think it sounds good with like a deeper um range, I think is pretty, but I don't really yeah. I really do like to hear little kids sing it. That's probably my favorite. Um, so yeah. I found the Winchester Cathedral choir, if you Google that, there's like a really beautiful um version. It's all it's mostly children. So it just sounds so pretty. Oh yeah. I do love it when when children sing the song. I can agree with that. For sure. What about you? Hold on. You said you really like Carrie Underwood. I do. I like um, I like Need to Breeze version, um, and so there's as much more of like a folksy style um, of doing because you know they're like country rock style, <laughs> um, but there's as is, is a very toned down kind of um, folk version of it. I like Stefan Stevens just because he's very folksy, and I, I just like um, the song with a a good like voice like that a good folk voice, singer songwriter voice with mm-hmm. a guitar is how yeah. I like it sung. Um unless I'm singing it, you know, with a congregation at Christmas Eve service. Um, so yeah, and I like Carrie Underwood's version. I was trying to think of who else's version I like Pentatonics version just because it, it's very simple and they're they're singing it in harmony and around because I like it that way too. I think those are my favorite those were my favorite versions when I looked it up.
2: Yep. Word. So Tell
0: us about the origins. Okay, so this song, um, the origins of it were um, the kind of the the mid eighteen hundreds, early to mid eighteen hundreds, you know, eighteen nineteen. it's like two hundred year old song. Um, and it was um first written and performed in Austria, right outside of Salzburg. Which, is a little side note, one of my favorite places in the world. So, <laughs> David and I right after we got married, um, it was uh, less than a year after we got married, I think we went with our church um, in Fort Worth on a mission trip to Salzburg because there's a massive... um, refugee population in Salzburg, and so there was a pastor from our church that led a church um, for um, Middle Eastern refugees um, in Salzburg. So we went and worked with them for like ten days, but we also got to do some touristy stuff too. And it was in March, and it snowed, and it's in the Alps, and like I don't know, everything you see on the Sound of Music is exactly the way Salzburg. is. <laughs> I mean, we went on the Sound of Music tour in Salzburg, like, and got to like see all the all the famous spots, and um, it is just it's gorgeous. the people are wonderful anyways i have a special place in my heart um, for the people of austria but this song was written so the author of the song or the the priest that wrote the lyrics and then wrote the music with another priest um he was his name is joseph moore um M-O-H-R. and he grew up, had a very traumatic childhood um, and it got to the point where he had to go into like a foster situation at a Catholic um, at a Catholic Church and the priests and the nuns kind of raised him mm-hmm. and um, found out that he was musically talented but you know he just had had a really hard childhood and eventually decides to go into the priesthood that was his profession um, and this is the same time that the, the Neapolitan nepalonic wars nepalonic wars <laughs> whatever the wars that napoleon started however you pronounce that um this was right after that happened so austria had been um completely ob- obliterated i mean you know they went through a series they went through those wars and then world one and world one was started because of issues in austria you know and so they they are constantly a war-turned country is kind of the um the storyline of the austrian people so anyways um this this priest was in a small town and you know serving his priesthood in a small town called Satan in a church called Saint. Nicholas in a small town outside of salzburg and um you know they had just gotten hit really hard after the war, and they um he was just walking one night through the town, and the you know it was just. He stopped and just looked out of the town. And it was at peace. It was like blanketed in snow. And he sat down and wrote this as a poem, um, Silent Night. Um, and because uh, it was kind of like the, the the town was finally at peace after war. And so that's where the words come from. And so then he decided that he wanted it to um, be set to music, which the assistant pastor uh, or the pr- the pr- assistant preacher. Um, priest at the um, church was also an organist and helped him set it to music and his name was Franz Gruber. So then they were supposed to perform it for the first time to this little church in Austria uh, outside of Salzburg and on Christmas Eve. So that's why we often sing it on Christmas Eve. I think that's just historically when it's been sung. And um, the the organ um, had been destroyed to the point where it couldn't be used because of the war. And um, so they couldn't play it on the the piece that they had written, they couldn't play it on the organ. So the man that wrote it, the priest Joseph Moore, had to play it on his guitar. So on Christmas Eve, which was very unusual, you know, in in the Catholic Church at that time, everything would have been played on the organ and done by a choir. and he played it simply with him just singing with the guitar and mm-hmm. with the other assistant priests with them, so it was uh, it was done in harmony with the guitar. And so I think that's why, Um, I think that tradition has been passed on and that's why it's such a simple melody and it kind of has like this folksy kind of version to it. And then it's so peaceful because that's what he felt when he wrote the song was the piece that had kind of blanketed the city at that point. But it just has an interesting history because... Um, someone at that there was like an organ. The story goes that there was like an organ uh, repairman that was there, and he heard it sung, and so then he told. Um, there used to be it, kind of the the history of music in Austria and Germany too. There are these traveling uh, folk bands that like were family? So think sound of music, you know. <laughs> there, you know, these travel these these family, the Von Trot family, you know, these tra- these family traveling bands um or groups of singers would travel around from town to town and set up shop and sing and so um he told one of those traveling groups of people i can't remember they were a group of sisters i think i can't remember their names but it it got passed to them and they sang it to the king of prussia and he loved it so much it, it, it just became a like national um um christmas song and so all these traveling groups of musicians and families would go around pretty much Eastern Europe and sing the song. And then it, got, it moved it to wider Europe and eventually made its way to America. And a traveling, I can't remember which traveling group of singers, um, the Strasser sisters, which were very popular. Um, they came over to the United States and sang it for the first time um, to, um, out, outside of what, is it St. Patrick's in New York City. Okay. Um, that's when it was sung in the, uh, actually, nope. New York City's Trinity church. It was sung in German because obviously the whole time it was sung. In New York? There is, but oh. there's also another Trinity church, which is the one that was near September, which was near, um, ground zero. That was the church okay. that's right there near ground zero. So they was sung for the first time there in German. Um, and that's kind of where it took hold. And then it got translated to English and became a thing, um, in America and ended up in our hymnal, but it was because it was, that one that one priest then it it became a traveling song mm-hmm. that was sung and then it made its way over to America so that's kind of the history behind the song well, was um, it written in English yeah no it, it was, was not it was written in German it was written well, in German I, know, like, I always am curious to see like what the original trans like what got changed you know because yeah the rhyme and all that yeah, I I mean I didn't really see much on um what got changed about it. I think the words are so simple it wasn't that hard to translate. Yeah. Um from still not to silent night, you know, like um so it, yeah, and lots of lots of people still sing it in German. Like you can hear German, you know, recent recordings of it sung in German as a very, you know, common um German carol. Um but it's interesting because there's a lot of stories about this song being used um in times of war so um there's there's stories about um it being sung um in small towns around um Austria and Europe after war 1 and after war 2 and there was a story about um on a on christmas eve yeah uh, there was a temporary truce on christmas eve um, during World War one on on a battlefield somewhere in Europe, I don't know where, but they because it was Christmas Eve, um, the French, the German, and the English that were there fighting um, you know the French and the English fighting against the Germans, they called a truce for Christmas Eve, and there would be no fighting that night. and um, one of the one of the soldiers started singing like each each group of um, soldiers sang carols in their own language. and when it came to Silent night, all the soldiers on all sides sang it in French, German, and English. And so that's like one of the famous stories behind Silent mm-hmm. Night is that, that it was sung that night on a battlefield when they decided to call a truce on Christmas Eve. So there is, it's, yeah, it, it's interesting how music can, you know, bring people together and bring, call call, you know, truce and peace Um you know just simple lyrics you know who knows he who knew when he wrote that new christmas song you know in in the early like 1819 for his small congregation in austria like how much it would be used which i think is yeah. awesome um and for a long time you know because it it just it was word of mouth that it got passed around there was a lot of rumors that Hayden or Mozart or Beethoven wrote it because you know it was German and Austrian so there was like everybody liked to make these big stories that it was one of them that wrote it and then in 1994 they found the original manuscript in Austria with um, the priests um, Joseph Morin and Franz Gruber and they found it written in his handwriting and so then they were able to prove it was from this um, so that was 1994 so for a long time every Everybody thought it was some, you know, big time musician who had written and then it wasn't. It was just came out of a small church in Austria, which I think is cool. And that church is that St. Nicholas church is now turned into the silent night church, of course. And it's like got this whole history center. And it's got like a, it's become like an Austrian, um, uh, Austrian, Austrian music, um, celebrating Austrian music that that church has become a a historical place for that. Um, Yeah, and there's like a whole society called the Silent Night Society and they kind of keep up the hi- the history of it in that small town right outside of Salzburg, which I think is sweet. So, and the whole point of the, the, the president of the Silent Night Society um, is um, it uses kind of the um, heartbeat of that song and the message of the song to encourage peace and demand responsibility around the globe. So, um, you know, the song, it's just funny how like, you know, little things like, a song and a poem and lyrics can can um, start so small and change the world. So yeah. that was
2: cool. That is a good one.
0: Yeah. So when you're singing it, when you're lighting your candle by yourself, most likely, instead of <laughs> a congregation this Christmas Eve, <laughs> rem- remember that it was sung in a war-torn country. I yes. mean, you know, there is something to be said for that, that like, it, you know, that this this song was born out of War and um, depression and um, hardship, and he he lived a life that he had had traumatic childhood, and you know he was able to write the words to the song, which um, I think is is pretty amazing. So just it's good to remember, uh, you know, why and how these how these songs are written when we sing them, because I think it gives it more meaning when we do that. Yeah, sure. So, um, do you have a favorite verse in the song? No, do you? Um. So I like the the. Um, I was looking up to make sure I got. I want to get the right. Nu- I don't know which verse number it is. If it's like the second verse or third verse, because you know we skip a lot of verses. So I want to make sure I get the right. That I want to tell everybody the right verse number. Um, but I. Um, I like the third verse, which we usually only sing the first and second verse of the first verse is uh, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, holy, infant so tender, mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. And then we sing the next one, silent night, holy night, shepherd's quake at the site. So we sing those two verses. Uh, we don't, I mean, I think we do at our church, but I think lots of times when you hear it on the radio or sung on an album. They don't sing the third verse, which is silent. Silent night, holy night, son of God. Oh, love's pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming, redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord of thy birth. Um, and then it repeats that. And I just, I like the idea of the light portion of it. So I think we we focus a lot on the calmness and the peace and the silence of the song and the holiness of the song. Um, but I like the idea of the Son of God, oh, loves pure light, radiant beams from Thy holy face, like just the the light that exudes from this song too, um, and the dawn of redeeming grace. It's the light, the first light, mm-hmm. and then and then the theology behind the simple um, refrain of Jesus, Lord, at Thy birth.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: you know, just thinking about Mary looking looking at Jesus and just what I would assume would be like, I mean, all, all babies are beautiful and they radiate and all of those things, whatever. But, uh, (laughs) but like just her knowing when she looks at that baby, that he's Lord, like I had, that had to like blow her like sweet little 13 year old mind away. So, um, (laughs) or 14, whatever ridiculous age she was. For real. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, any other thoughts? No, I'm going to go listen to that choir version though, in a minute. <laughs> Definitely. That, I mean, that sounds, I have to go check that one out. I do love uh, the Morgan. The, I love the Mormon tabernacle choir. Most of the time when they sing new songs, it's gorgeous. So um, I was going to ask you how Evan's going. It's good. We're doing our calendars. Um, you know i started I had a conversation with a friend that we were talking about she does not celebrate Advent because she feels like it's like kind of contrived and um so we were Interesting. just saying like, yeah, like just it kind of feels to her like one more thing to do like mm-hmm. kind of religious versus you know like it's kind of a um that's how it feels to her, but she like she likes Advent she just you know f- for her in the season that's how it feels, so we were kind of talking about that, and I was talking about how um I like Advent because I feel like it gives me, it grounds me, like it gives me something outside of myself to ground me, which is why I like the church calendar and why I like liturgy. As we all know, I'm very like feelings driven and I really need something to like hold on to Mm -hmm. outside of myself. So, but that being said, it's also just a weird year. And I don't, you know, I kind of go between like wanting to do it perfectly and then just, you know, feeling like, well, I didn't do it for three days, so it's over and it sucks and I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to give myself grace with it. Um, you know, that I had mentioned that I'm, I read, uh, watch for the light, which is like a compilation of essays and stuff. And it's just like, it hasn't been grabbing me. So I've given myself permission to not read it <laughs> if I'm not feeling it, um, that day instead of feeling like I have to like finish it. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's going okay. We're lighting our candles at night. We're talking about what week it is. We're, you know, opening my tiny jam and giving thanks for it and chocolate. But like, I don't know. I, I mean, if the point of it is to make me feel closer to Jesus, I wouldn't say that the things I'm doing are making me feel closer to God than they did before I did them. But like I, they are helping me be grounded in the season. I don't think it necessarily has to be that it brings you closer to God. I mean, obviously that's a, a side effect sometimes. But I think the whole purpose of celebrating Advent is to just remember what the season's for so we don't get so frantic in it. And I think also it's, it's meant to slow us down a little bit. So I think that your reasons for doing it and the results are, are what they should be. I mean, yeah. I, I see Advent as a, it gives me a moment to pause. And that may be maybe literally one moment or that may be 30 moments, but whatever it is, like depending on the day. And like you said, giving grace for every day looking different. But I think as long as you allow it to help you stay grounded and like kind of give you a benchmark for the season and then um, and then also allowing you to like anticipate a little bit. So that's where I, where I see as a purpose mostly for my kids is is allowing it to like build anticipation so every day you should feel kind of a building but it's not supposed to be I don't think it's supposed to be um overwhelming or like you shouldn't feel like you didn't do it right or whatever you know and I think it's, it's okay to take t- yeah <laughs> what I absolutely feel that way <laughs> I know and I, I have and to i be and careful I, with things like this I do this with lint too You know, it's like it it can very easily become like something you're doing right or wrong and kind of the whole point. And then, and I, you know, I had this conversation with the kids the other day because we we got busy one night and we didn't get to do our reading that we, because I have my reading that I do at the morning before I wake up. And I've given myself permission not to do that reading today. I'm just going to skip it for today. It's fine. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't do it this morning. I slept in and then we started doing other stuff. And so, um, I'm, you know, I feel, I feel good about that. And, you know, we skipped one night, one of our readings this this one night this week with the kids. And last night I remembered I never opened my cheese from Aldi and I ate it at 11 PM and it was amazing. (laughs) So, you know, like, like, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that it's, as long as it's slowing you down a little bit and you're having good conversations and you're, you're pondering what the season means, it doesn't have to be done a certain way. Yeah, Um, I definitely have a bent towards legalism, like uh big time, or like feeling like I should be that way. Yeah, I have to be careful with these sorts of things. Um, yeah, to not do that and to not, especially, teach my kids that. Good, bad, but yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, I don't know how much is getting through to their little almost six year old brains of Mm -hmm. all of this. We, I don't know, I feel like every day we just are like, what does hope mean? and we talked about hope and then we're like, okay. And I don't know, but hopefully it's like, yeah, we, we, we lit our hope candle. You know, we started lighting it last Sunday for the first Sunday in Advent for those of you who are, who are listening to this on, on the actual day it comes out. Um, and we, um, we lit it and I asked the kids, you know, what is something you're hoping for this Christmas that you need to, you know, Give to God, like it's a hope that you need to give to God. Um, Asking myself the same question: What what are things that I'm hoping for that I need to to give over to Him? And both my kids in unison, without looking at each other, said, "I hope COVID goes away." Like both of them in unison, that's what they said. And it just was a reminder because my my kids have really seemed okay. Like it really have. I mean, there's been moments, but and there's been disappointment, but overall they they seem to be pretty resilient. But it's obviously still something that's affecting them and that they, they have concern over and fear over if they're hoping that it will go away, you know? So um, it's good to have, I mean, even if that was the only conversation we had this week, you know, and then didn't have time to talk about the rest of the week, at least we lit the candle that night and had that conversation. So it's just a good reminder. God enters into like our lives right now. And it doesn't, you know, I think something I try to remember is like, we don't have to, you know, like he cares about our circumstances right now. So, like, yeah. should talk about what hope looks like in December 2020 to a child. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, because that's so important, and they need to know that, like, God cares about that, and that, you know, like that hope is not. Um, yeah, it's not like we have to be like they don't have to be grand religious gestures. There can be very ordinary, like yeah, things that we talk about and yeah. me say that all the time and it's so heartbreaking like they'll just randomly be like i just wish coronavirus would go away mm-hmm. just out of nowhere like and they
2: seem yeah nice, and it's like yeah <sighs> i know i know but yeah so
0: we'll just keep you know plugging along and
2: that coronavirus is <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I our pastor always says that every week at Advent. He was like, he always says, you know, I used to before I started celebrating Advent, I felt like Christmas snuck on up on me, um, and then it would come, and you're like, how did that happen so fast? And I that's my goal every year with Advent is just that it doesn't feel like that. So it doesn't have to be a certain way. It doesn't have to be. Um, it doesn't have to be X, Y, and Z every single day. But as long as I get to Christmas and don't feel like it didn't just sneak up on me, I feel like I I accomplished something with Advent, right? It's like a countdown to help you. Yes. I mean every time I open the little door and I'm like, 20, 20, day twenty, or like it's like what? We already ah well, like, mm-hmm. a couple weeks now. Yeah. It is crazy. So well praying for everybody in their advent. And as they contemplate what to do about Christmas, um, I know Thanksgiving was really hard for everybody to wrap their brain around and to figure out what their family was going to do. And I'm assuming that Christmas is just going to add another layer of stress to that. And and not to keep um, reiterating stuff my pastor says, but um, Chris said last week too, he was like, he's like, I just keep trying to think about how Amazing next Halloween and next Thanksgiving yeah. and next Christmas are gonna be you know, and like holding yeah. out like you know we can do hard things, and I know we've had to say that for like nine months, but <laughs> we can do hard things and it and it's gonna it's gonna go away I, you know, um pandemics come and go like and it's hard when you're stuck in. It. I'm not trying to dismiss people's feelings because I'm depressed too but but um i I think just remembering that it's not forever. It's not forever. And next Christmas is going to be so amazing. So It's true. And we'll probably look back and be grateful, you know, because yeah. it sort of maybe has reset things for all of us culturally that yeah. we need to be reset, you know? Yeah. Um, I will say that some things that aren't on my Christmas calendar make me sad. I'm yeah. sad there's no adult Christmas parties. You and, and I are have a very exclusive Christmas party. Yeah, the two of us are going to have a very exclusive <laughs> Christmas dinner. Um, that, that'll be our work Christmas party. Because, um, you know, neither of us are having work Christmas parties and none of our adult Christmas parties are happening. And But then also, we also don't have any um, Christmas piano recitals or no Christmas, Christmas school programs.
2: programs. Oh,
0: God, I know. It's so sad. I see, and I'm like, I'm totally fine. <laughs> I'm like, of oh, uh, we don't have a weeknight. Oh, I love it because they're doing one at school and they're videoing it. And on Tuesday at 630, they're going to send it to us so we can watch it together as a family in our living room with our pajamas on drinking ho- hot cocoa. I like that. So I guess still get to see Nathan perform. Yeah. It's going to be on video and I don't have to go anywhere. So there's some <laughs> things that don't make me sad. <laughs> and while still doing a piano recital. It's just going to be virtual. So, um, you know, which isn't the same. And, you know, it's not the same as performing for in front of a, a crowd or whatever. And I felt sorry for musicians and sound techs and all those people that work behind the scenes and theaters. And, you know, I think about, you know, Mila and I go to the Nutcracker every year, those ballerinas are not dancing, you know, it's just like, you know, there, I, I do know that this is it's going to be a hard Christmas for a lot of people. So the yeah. rockets are Christmas play. We had finally yeah. started making that a tradition and now you know, and the Rockets aren't performing, you know, it's just
2: not even yeah, on TV or
0: anything. And maybe they're maybe they did some kind of special on TV, but they're not like doing their normal show d- night in and night out, multiple shows a night kind of thing, you know. And so it's just, and they're, you, it's not just the performers that are behind all of that, you know. There's light text and sound text. yeah, just, yeah the, yeah, the ushers that see people, uh, you know, it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And so, I mean, I know that there's a lot of, a lot of darkness, um, and well, sadness playing, I mean, I think especially around the holidays when like, I feel like most people, unless you're under the age of like 10 years old, the holidays are hard in some way, like either yeah. like, someone you miss or like I don't know, or it's not how it should be, or it reminds you of how things were, how they ought to be, or how they're not yet. And I I just think the holidays, anything with great expectations can end up being difficult. And I think like, when I think about the holidays this year, and I think of all the things that we had, all the rails we had to run on, on, and we're just sort of floating. I mean, that's a really unnerving thing Mm -hmm. to not have your traditions, because I mean, part of the thing about traditions and why they matter so much is that it gives us a sense of groundedness and, and continuity through our lives. Yeah. They're gone. I mean, that is really, so I guess I'm just saying that to say, like, if you're feeling silly, cause you're like real sad about something that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Like it is a big deal because yeah. these traditions do so much more for us than we realize they do. And yeah. And they are really important. And so I mean, another thing that's been on my mind a lot is just decision fatigue. And I think like, we're coming to a place now, especially like, I mean, everybody has this, this isn't unique to families, like, but if you are in charge of people, whether that's like your parents, your children, whoever, like if you're in charge of like doing things for Christmas for other people, like you're coming into this from a place of having had decision fatigue for nine months, right? Is that how long it's been? Yeah. yeah. I mean that is completely exhausting. Like having to think yeah. like, do I have my mask. Do I have my hand sanitizer? Like all these little things that just weigh on you. And then you're going yeah. into like this holiday and you're trying so hard to like give people groundedness and routine and stability and, mm-hmm. and happiness. And that's completely exhausting. So I'm just saying like wherever we can streamline, we need to do it. Like, because yeah. you know, your family can eat the same three things for dinner every week and like, it'll be okay. But like, don't uh, sorry, this has nothing to do with christmas songs, but like don't don't um yeah, it was this fun I asked you <laughs> i guess i'm just i want to encourage everybody and myself just not to um not to make it harder than it needs to be and to let go the things yeah. that don't need to be there like because this is really like don't don't underestimate the mental weight of all the uh, choices and decisions and if you're listening to this, you're probably a mother and you probably are in charge of all your family's Christmas presents and shipping out the Christmas presents and wrapping the Christmas presents. And it's like, that is all a lot. You know what I mean? We just kind of yeah. brush it off like, oh, you know, it, but it's like, no, that's, it's a lot to do. And so if you want to get everybody the same present do it, like, you know what I mean? Like, just make it easy on yourself yeah. as much as you possibly can. Like literally this I, thing, I bought frozen stofers meals, Rebecca. And I was like, "We're eating frozen family sized stovers because I can't. I I don't have it in me. And cooking yeah. is like something I love to do. Yeah, no, I get it. Not, there's nothing wrong with stovers, but like, I love like cooking's like my thing. Like I enjoy it. I like to plant, I make, but if, I just had to let it go. Yeah, and to preserve my brain. So anyway, yeah. I don't know. I just, I just want to encourage everybody that the grief we all are feeling is so valid. And like we talked about recently, like if you you know, if you're complain like you're, I really think that what we said a few weeks ago was true. Like if you're complaining about something, there's probably grief under there. So kind of dig under and see, cause like nothing you're feeling is silly or unimportant. It always goes back to something. If you dig deep enough, that does matter. And just explore that and give it to the Lord. And, you know, maybe that's what the hope is you were talking about with your kids. Like what hope do you want to give? Or what do you have to give yeah. to God you hope for?
2: Like Maybe that's it, so. Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No. <laughs> We're going to make it, guys. We're going to make it. We're gonna make it. Rebecca, I have a question. Okay. How have you, going off what we just said, like, because things are weird, have you thought of any things you can do with your family or, like, um, things to make it special or... So I've, we, we've, we've definitely planned to go see more. And I think you said this too, and we're, we're kind of both on the same page um, ways we can drive and see Christmas lights.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I think any, you know, normally we do that like once a Christmas season or whatever, but we're doing it multiple times. Like yeah. we have multiple plans to do it because I think that, um, that's something we can do that can bring us joy. We can drive to the Starbucks line and get some hot chocolate or and you know a cake pop or something and then you know and go look at Christmas lights like that's a safe socially distanced thing to do that brings joy to everybody and it's beautiful and um so I think and it doesn't have to be it doesn't you know we did it the other night we have we have we paid for we paid for tickets for a reserved one that we're going to do on Tuesday, but we did it the other night, like just, you know, hopped in the car, went to the Starbucks drive through and went to a neighborhood and drove through, that's you know, and I think, and, you know, we just decided to do it one night after dinner with no plans. Like we just did it. And so I think it doesn't have to be special and planned and all of those things, but I think anything that you can do like that, that you can kind of add um, that's easy is, is good. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um and you can take see, your kids in their pajamas and have them like do all their stuff so you just throw them in bed. Like that's exactly what we did. It was amazing. And so um so I, I definitely think that's something um I think a uh, more Christmas movies, um, because and, and make time for that. Um because we're not and there's you know, I know the Atlanta Ballet is doing the performers of the Nutcracker and you can like watch it online. Um and then I there's you know there's so it doesn't just have to be movies there there's plays you know and performances that you can look up and and kind of make a theater night or make it at home you know and mm-hmm. and you know get popcorn and all the fun things and turn the christmas tree yeah, lights on we i printed out like you can print like free printable movie tickets yes. on. i printed them and wrote the date and the yes. time and like you know we had like individual bags of popcorn and like i mean it was like it didn't take a ton of effort but it felt a lot different than just yes. like a movie on you know, yeah. to off. like it was this fun. Cause we typically go to, go to concerts or, um, or the movies or to the theater during Christmas. And so there's just a lot of, you know, a, a lot of bands. I, I saw it speaking of run collective and Johnny swim and all of them, they're having their like Christmas concerts online, you know? And so look into those, like find, find, you know, a way to bring music and theater and arts into your home. That you normally would go to see during Christmas, mm-hmm. and that supports the the those musicians and stuff that are trying to make it right now. And so, because um, they don't have um, the ability to have shows and things like that, so um, so I would say that's another thing that I'm trying to to bring in to kind of like make it special and normalize things a little bit um, because we can't go do those things, you know. So. And I saw a lot of there's a lot of virtual Santa meetups, and you can have videos sent from Santa and all of that kind of stuff. Um, um, t- today the kid said something about, um, of course, Santa will bring everything I want or something. I don't know. And David made a joke. We were at lunch, and David made a joke, and he was like, "Well, what if Santa gets coronavirus?" And um, and I told, and I told David, I was like, "Dr. Fauci said Santa is immune." And the kids were so excited when I said that because he legit. I was like, "Did he really say that?" And so I googled it because there's an article where he says it. Oh, and my, you know, and like just like reminding them that you know there's still some normalcy and yeah. you know this weirdness. So um, I brought out the dumb elf, even though I hate it, because I was I don't like,
2: understand "Why you hate the elf so much?" I because know people do
0: okay, I don't like that every night at like 11 o'clock I'm laying in bed and I'm like, son of a... And I have to pop back up and go. Or the couple of times that I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning or 5.30 in the morning and realize the kids are about to get out of bed and I haven't moved the elf and I have to run downstairs. Um, So there's that. So that frustrates me. And then, you know, I'm competitive. so... I know that so many people like other kids and all the kids talk about it, you know, cause my I kids are don't like it. Why? You probably think you have to do something like amazing every time you move it. Yes, You probably overdo it. Don't you? Well, I don't anymore. I used Perfect. to, I used to, and I've gotten much simpler and the kids have noticed and they're like, oh, how come our elf is boring? And I'm like, maybe he's getting <laughs> old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like things like that. Like I just, it's just a, it's just, a thing that annoys me. So, anyways, okay. but the kids love it. And, and, you know, I, my kids are older than yours. Like, I don't, have, I mean, this is probably miles last Christmas where she really, like, I mean, she's about to be 11, you know, and, you know, Nathan's going to be eight. I mean, you know, they're almost done. So I keep telling myself, like, it's only a couple more years and then I'm going to be sad that all of this stuff is gone. So it's fine. So
2: i mean talk to you about the elf what i've been meaning to talk to you about the elf yeah <laughs> <sighs> anyways we're gonna so, make it silent night silent are. night
0: okay okay we'll be we'll be back next week bye guys bye so, till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So, just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye. <laughs>